0: You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks How to Get It Just Right, with host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry.
1: Welcome
2: to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. I am excited to spend another hour with you, my audience, and talk about something so personal and important to me uh, as we bring our fall season to a close. We have been spending the last few weeks talking about change agents who are shaping a better life in various communities. And I want to dedicate this particular episode to my personal passion and social change mission. My career as a practitioner, educator, author, and public speaker has afforded me the privilege very few people have. What I mean by this privilege is the opportunity to work with both the private and the public sector, train professionals from both sectors in their continuing professional education pursuits, as well as groom the next generation of public and private sector leaders through the university system as a professor. Over the last 20 years, as I have worked with these groups of institutions, uh, I have learned and I have Learned by observing and engaging with the individuals in these institutions that there is a definite disconnect between how they perceive themselves and each other. And coming of that understanding and realization, I have pursued engaging in dialogue and teaching and conversations and actual practical applications of how to bridge this divide and bridge this disconnect so that folks don't continue to uh, keep their biases and move forward with their thought process based on what they have heard. It has helped me realize that a lot of perceptions are based on what people hear And their thinking is based on what they hear as opposed to doing their own research, understanding, identifying, and coming from a place of factual knowledge. So as I have built my own understanding and I have worked at bridging the divide and helping stem off some of these dilemmas, I have worked at building organizations as well as educational content to start uh, breaking down some of these barriers. Therefore, over the years, I have been able to build relationships with public sector professionals, private sector professionals, universities, and students coming out of universities to have win-win-win partnerships where everybody has something to gain, and as a result, we're building consensus. And as we are building this consensus, we are also talking about the importance of going beyond our false belief systems or our notions that have been put in our heads based on what somebody else said. And how do we start truly making this work work for us, work for our institutions, and how do we then build to last? And it is very clear to me as we look at a... Capitalistic democracy, where capitalism needs to exist side by side with democracy, breaking one down for the sake of the other is not going to make our economy and society viable. So with this awareness and with this network of people who have willingly taken this journey with me, I have explored and come up with ways to start making a difference in the local community and as a way of taking my endeavors beyond the local community, I have been experimenting and exploring organizations I can partner with. And born of this endeavor is my direct engagement in starting a pilot program in the greater Chicago area with the support of charter members comprising of students and my network drawn from public, private, and university entities. This episode, Busting Myths and Building Bridges, one community at a time, is the perfect opportunity to explore why this pilot program was needed, how it is being set up, how is it being run, what is our call to action, and how do we plan to groom the next generation of private and public sector leaders with a deep understanding that a capitalist democracy can only be viable when there are equally robust public and private sectors Rooted in ethical leadership. To help me with this discussion that I am so passionate about is a 30 year veteran of the Department of Defense and past national president of the HEA, Bobby Derrick. Bobby, welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you, Cass. Thank you very much. I want to tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity to be on your show.
2: Oh, I am so excited to have you on the show, Bobby. And as we get this started off, what I want to do is actually give you an opportunity uh, to talk about what about my vision for this public-private university partnership caught your attention and what was your initial impression of the practical viability of that uh, mission or vision I had because you have an extensive public sector background. You have been a leader in a very important organization, and I want to get your perspectives on it, because I think it will also help listeners think about how they can take their passion and partner with the right people to bring it to life.
3: Well, Cass, uh, this journey started, I don't know, it it seemed like it was... uh... Well, maybe 14 months ago, 18 months ago, when I first visited Chicago, when you were chapter president of the current uh, chapter, which mm-hmm. represents uh, 11 federal agencies downtown Chicago, uh, yes. mm-hmm. I, uh, I became a convert of yours <laughs> huh? fairly um, early on. You know, you uh, you said that you embrace positive social change in mission and everything you do. Um mm-hmm. That's one of the first things I learned about you is that you live by your message, which is every human interaction is an opportunity for transformation. I am yes. a true believer in what you in in that um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I believe that uh, I was captivated by your your pioneering spirit and your determination to uh, to start this uh, new a g a chapter greater Chicago chapter when we uh, First, started our conversation about what what can happen. What is perhaps your vision of the, of the future? Mm-hmm. I, it was it was um, something I had never seen before. Uh, I had never um, uh, I, the vision that you presented to me then uh, was something that um, I thought uh, you know this would be incredible experience. I have I have uh, been working with AGA for mm-hmm. uh, since 1975. Uh, seventy four uh, I have worked with developing many many chapters across this great nation and uh, to include japan uh, okay. I have had the opportunity to work in all levels of government federal state and local in setting mm-hmm. up the new chapters to include the uh, the uh, the inclusion of the private sector and the university collegiate uh, um, academia world into the, the chapters, but nothing, nothing can compare to what I see that you're doing in Chicago. Uh, I'd like to know how do you, you know, how do you do it? Um, I uh, I looked at your experience. You know, you, you you've done it all. You're a leader in financial performance management and continuous mm-hmm. improvement. As you said in the opening, you have 20 years of corporate experience and international mm-hmm. uh, experience. Uh, You've been the CFO uh, of a various number of organizations. Uh, You have uh, done it all. You've been a uh, Phi Theta Capital Leadership Honor Society um, Ethical Leadership Instructor. You have uh, worked in uh, different university environments that include the Faculty of Southern University, uh, Keller Graduate School of Management, uh, North Park University. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, have, you've got your, you have the academics, uh, you have the education, you have the experience, you're a Six uh, Sigma Black Belt. Uh, you're a motivational speaker. Uh, it seems that everything you do, um, everything you've done in your life, your education, uh, your, your leadership roles, uh, your value systems has prepared you for this, uh, this task, this journey of creating this greater Chicago chapter.
2: I truly have been blessed. I truly have been blessed, which is why I started off the show saying I have had the privilege because it is not something I take for granted, right? As an immigrant, I came into this country with five years of international experience and I've lived in this country and worked now for just over 20 years full time. And it amazes me that how much can be accomplished in an American society when the right partnerships are built and the right approach is taken. And to me, the most important thing is I didn't come here accidentally. You know, normally when you're born in a country, you're born because that was what fate decided. I actually chose to come here. So I'm a believer that if I'm going to choose to be a part of a society, then I need to impact it in a positive way. And anytime I see an opportunity to improve something, then I just roll up my sleeves and do. I don't think of it as extra work. I just think of it as some one more thing in my to-do list, right? Just need to get it done. don't know how you do it.
3: You're like the energized bunny. You just start early in the morning and you continue to late, late in the hours <laughs> of the evening. I have got email from you late in the evenings, and I'm thinking, how are you doing it? When do you stop? When do you rest?
2: It's funny though, when you do what you love, it doesn't feel like work, right? And to me, what I do during the day as I am working in the public and private sector doing my financial executive role, that is probably what I think of work, but I do love what I do. But beyond that, teaching, the writing, the speaking, all of that comes naturally. And to me, the most important thing is I am in the classroom with students. How I live my life and how I make my choices should be an example for the students I am teaching. My students are all graduate students, so they're all over 23, 24, 25, and they age all the way up to 50-55. I have public sector graduate students who are fire chiefs, police chiefs, who are over 50 coming into my class. So I have an obligation... Don't
3: realize how, I'm sorry, your students don't realize how well, it, how, how well they have it made with having you as their instructor.
2: True, but I have also learned from them. So I started teaching the government sector 18 years ago. And Before I went to work for the government, I taught for the government sector, the Department of Defense, military, homeland security, police, fire, and most of the things I learned about government, I learned through teaching, preparing for class, and from my students. So I would venture to say, truly, I'm a believer that every interaction is an opportunity for transformation, and my students have helped me transform myself. I am a better professional because of my students. I am a better person because of my students. And I'm a better teacher because of my profession. So if being a Six Sigma, right, I approach life as project management. My husband always reminds me not to project manage him. So when I approach things as a layered on project, I see the connectivity. I see where one threaded through to the next one makes sense and when I see the connectivity, the n- amount of effort I put is not cumulative. It actually provides benefit geometrically. And so I'm a- I'm truly able to strategize and get things done in a 24-hour workday and still get four or five hours sleep.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but But the biggest satisfaction is to see something come to life and then developing the next generation to actually be ready and take on because my goal is to build put other people in place and then move on to do the next thing me staying in the same role for 25 30 years doesn't truly help me groom the next generation so my my passion has always been to do that and move on so that we get people up and running we are going to go for a break with that thought bobby and we will pick this up when we get back Find out what makes the
0: most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth, positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Cass Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to Unleash In a Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You are joining us at the episode, Busting Mets and Building Bridges, One Community at a Time. Bobby, welcome back to the show. Thank you. As we went to the break, you were mentioning that you had a few questions for me. And so I am going to go ahead and give you the opportunity to grill me. I'm all yours.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you Cass. Um, let me ask you, what was it about AGA that attracted you to uh, bring about your vision of public and private university partnership for sustained accountability?
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting you asked that. I have been a member of quite a few different organizations and I still am uh, on the private sector side. Uh, But I had the opportunity to come and present on ethical leadership at the Chicago chapter as a keynote speaker for the last uh, couple of years ago conference. And as I watched people and as I did my research and engaged, I realized that AGA was a little bit different. It was not purely about um, what the government accountants did, it was much broader and looked at government accountability. And because it was broader and it looked at accountability, it it had the potential for bringing into the tent anybody who played a role in improving governmental accountability. And I believe in a democracy where money and the fiscal decisions drive every other aspect of a functioning democracy, whether it's the government or households, right? Public policy shapes everybody's pocketbook issues. Accountability directly impacts every individual's pocketbook. And therefore, when it is not done right, it truly subverts government and pits government against its citizens. And given that broad and meaningful mission that AGA had, I felt that if I got engaged with AGA, maybe I can explore further if I can take my ideas and bring them to life. So it was just at the back of my mind and the Chicago chapter asked me to not just come on board but also be their president Uh, and help them put some structure and some sequencing in place. So the fiscal year of 2016-2017, I did play the role of the Chicago chapter uh, president, and it was focused on mainly federal agencies. And as I did my role and performed my uh, duty as the president, I also learned. I learned from that chapter and my engagements with AGA that it truly is a broader mission. And what brought everything to life for me is actually going for the national conference and attending the board meeting and listening to the now past president, but uh, Doug, who was the president at that time, uh, talk about what his mission was and the upcoming new president talk about what his goal for the new year is. And I'm looking at all of that. And it occurred to me, They're talking about exactly what I've been thinking about. So you probably remember I went up to the microphone and I actually talked about what I'm passionate about and the things I want to do. And I was surprised pleasantly by the amount of support I got by the number of people who stopped me and talked to me throughout the conference, people who uh, sought out additional information to learn more about it and committed that if I want to bring this to life, that they will support me. And the rest is history, right? I worked with you. Uh, I put all the documentation together, had the strategic plan together. I am very, very blessed with a network of students and professional contacts who are willing to jump on board. And we got the necessary signatures with people actually joining the AGA for the first time from private sector organizations like Baker Tilly and Motorola and uh, Duracell, uh, which is a Berkshire Hathaway company, people from the private sector were happy to jump in and join because they also felt that, you know what, in our professional organizations, we're only focusing on our professional career. We're not making an impact in a larger society. And through AGA with the community engagement and the ongoing education and the civic responsibility we can practice. It truly gave us all a bigger platform. And I think the timing politically was right too. We are living in an age where politicians think that accountability doesn't matter to them. And agencies are filled with people who are struggling to get their job done while they report to politicians, right? So private sector and public sector are seeing some of the struggles because all of this is playing out in the open these days. And I think it was the climate was right, the right people were there, and uh, the right partnerships came about. And I think it was meant to be. It was the right time, the right place, and it was something that's meant to be, and we were able to bring it to life. And I say we because it was all the charter members who made it possible because I could have had a vision and it could have remained a dream.
3: Well, you know, I was in um, I was there and I remember I was in at the uh, board meeting, director board of directors meeting when you got up to speak. After that meeting was over with, I had several people that came up to me wanting me to introduce them to you because they were quite they were so impressed I knew at that time you had captivated a large audience just from the board of directors. I knew that I, I just had this vision of what you mm-hmm. were going to be able to do, do, successfully do. And I see you will continue to move up within the Association of Government Accountants uh, because we need you. We need your vision. We need your spirit uh, of optimism.
1: You know, I'm real very encouraged. Would, go ahead.
2: Sorry. I, go ahead. No. Go ahead. Now, I was saying I was very, very encouraged by the openness of the AGA to embrace something slightly different and say, you know what? We'll support you. Go ahead and do it as a pilot and see and, uh, you know, perfect your idea. And then once it works, uh, we can take some of those best practices and implement it in other places.
3: Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, I'm doing that. I'm working with the uh, southeastern Florida chapter, which is in the greater Miami area, everything from uh, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, all the way down to the uh, Florida Keys. We have mm-hmm. uh, 300 members of the, the chapter. We have a potential for 300 members. Right now, wow, we that's currently a big have chapter. about 50.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a big chapter, 300 members.
3: Uh, I, think, well, it's, I think you're going to be one of the largest in the nation by the time you're finished. Uh, So I use what I learned from you in this experiment, this journey that you're on, uh, Mm -hmm. as a way of seeing if I can replicate some of that in development of the Southeastern Florida chapter. And I have uh, levels of of, of great enthusiasm from the people that are members of that chapter uh, that are working with me on their chapter executive committee. As we make the decisions, as we look toward the future as to what, how this chapter is going to function. And it's because mm-hmm. of you. It, it, I learned from you. Uh, let me ask you this question. A, mm-hmm. a real concern for the future is that unless accountability professions, professionals assume their rightful role, they will become um, irrelevant. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. They will become, other professions are going to move in to take their place.
1: Definitely. The electorate,
3: as you said a while ago, the electorate does not trust Government.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do we
3: develop information and reports that will provide the information for decision-makers, especially the taxpayers and voters, to make mm-hmm. re- responsible decisions?
2: I, I think you know, it has to start. Uh, that's a wonderful question, Bobby. Voters are the ones who are actually determining who's representing them, right, in a representational democracy. And what I find is a lot of voters are not educated voters, they are informed by the tv channel they watch or the radio station they listen to right so everybody's knowledge is derived from the source of information as opposed to reading and understanding and discerning for themselves so that's dangerous that's very dangerous because everybody has only one perspective on either side of the spectrum, and that is not healthy. A democracy is viable only if we can all see left of center and right of center, and pick choices that are a combination of left of center and right of center. Because by definition, when you go to either extreme, you become an extremist, right? And when uh, society starts playing at the extremes, it starts eroding a democracy, and the Six Sigma in me has to actually look at the visually the bell curve. Majority of the population is in the middle of that bell curve, not in the extremes. We can't govern, and we can't run a viable society as a democracy, a capitalist democracy from either extreme. So that means we have to start educating people, but we can't educate people unless we engage them, Right. So to me, what this was about is I can educate people in the classroom. I can engage people in my professional and academic circles that I touch. But what about everybody else? Part of doing this show is a reason to add to that toolkit where I can reach an audience larger than my immediate circle and carry the message because all people need to know is listen to different stories, listen to different journeys, and then figure out how am I going to take pieces of this and build my own journey? And how am I going to make it work for me? So that is one avenue. And then the other is bringing people who are not traditionally accounting audit people into these organizations so that we can truly create a spokes and wheel type mechanism to get the message out. So in our new chapter, we have people who are fire chiefs, EMF commissioners, EMS commissioners, people who are in police, people who are in the private sector, people who are in universities. We have a sponsor university that has offered to give their electronic classroom as a vehicle to continue our professional education and skill people with leadership knowledge and fiscal responsibility knowledge and all the accounting, finance aspects of knowledge people need both professionally and as citizens. So I think the more people we engage and we become a kitchen table conversation, I'm hoping that this Thanksgiving, everybody who's joined this organization and people who are thinking of joining this organization is gonna talk about the great things we are doing at the Thanksgiving table and get other people's perspectives and get that word out because this is not a journey anyone takes alone. And a country's democracy is not something anybody should take lightly, right? I had to spend 12 years to earn the right to vote as a new immigrant. It's a long drawn out process, legally going through the immigration process, takes anywhere between 12 to 14 years. And coming out of that, I take my responsibility, my duty as a citizen, very seriously. I have to completely learn and know and understand how American politics work. And then as a voter, I have to cast my votes in a thoughtful way instead of blindly checking boxes. And I guess that is going to be our purpose, getting the education out there so that we don't put people in boxes and we don't show up somewhere to take boxes. We need to get out of the box mindset. I think that's one thing I love that,
3: about what you say because you're so encouraging and so uplifting in, in terms of uh, expanding our our uh, our scope, uh, expanding our own vision. Um, you know, when you go when you go back to thinking about things you said, uh, you you do believe you um, you embrace positive social change and everything that mm-hmm. you do your um your positive attitude is infectious uh one of the things I first learned about you is that you know your message every human interaction is an opportunity for a transformation. I really believe it I' know how you do it um i've been the first i have already been the first hand witness of of your leadership skills uh in such a a limited amount of time since this charter was approved for the Greater Chicago Chapter by the National Executive Committee, which is like the Board of Directors. Mm -hmm. uh, Are you already bringing in this chapter just some of the people you just mentioned, bringing multiple organizations from the government and public and private university uh, sectors together for this partnership? I don't know how you do it. And in fact, that's what I'd like to know. How do you do it? Is it your charisma that, that people just <laughs> gravitate to you? I think you're you are giving you way
2: too much credit, Bobby, but that is a wonderful question, and we're going to go into break. When we come back, we're going to pick up this conversation exactly where we left it. Hang in a minute there, Bobby. Thank you.
1: Live
0: up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com.
1: The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events.
0: listening to unleash your inner Goldilocks how to get it just right to reach dr. Cass Henry or her guest today please call 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to dr. Cass Henry at hotmail.com now back to this week's program
2: Welcome back to Alicia in a Goldilocks, how to get it just right. We are discussing the episode, Busting Myths and Building Bridges, One Community at a Time, where we are talking about the new pilot program we have as part of AGA Greater Chicago chapter that we are rolling out in our local community and trying to bring about the change we need to see in our local community whereby taking those best practices and implementing across the rest of the country. Bobby, welcome back to the show.
3: Well, thank you. Wonderful being here.
2: Thank you, Bobby. So as I was, as we were going to break, you asked the question, how do I get people to engage? Right? If I can summarize the question. They gravitate
3: to you, you know, they hear your message and they just, is it your charisma? Is it uh, the message? You're really, truly motivational in everything you do.
2: I think it's partly everybody wants to hear something positive, right? As human beings, we all crave to be a part of something that is constructive, something that is positive, something that is actually life-affirming. I think that is human nature, But we also don't get much of it around us because everybody is angry all the time. Or what tend to motivate people in a very materialistic society is anger, hatred, and fear. And I would throw in greed there, right? So they're all negative emotions. And the leadership uh, understanding and the psychology and the brain function of leadership informs me that there are there's chemistry in people, right? The brain chemistry. There are positive chemicals that are secreted in people's brains that makes them feel loved and cared for and want to be a part of something special. When they are around people, they are getting that positive message from. It's not that somebody is doing something willingly, but when you come from an authentic place, and you are genuine, people know how to spot it. And when people spot it and they feel safe because of the chemistry inside them, then they gravitate towards being a part of that because nobody wants to be unhappy. Who wakes up and says, I'm going to be a jerk today, right? Or I'm going to mess up somebody else's life. You really have to be a sociopath to do that. So most people want to be a part of something positive, and it truly is about having the conversation as gla- gla- glass half full as opposed to half empty, right? You will notice mm-hmm. I always pick up the positive end of a situation, never the other half of the negative end, right? Because what's the point in belittling and Trashing something that's not working when we can take half of what's working and build on it because that's what life is we never get to get everything done hundred percent right because if we want to get one thing right then we have to give up something else and life doesn't afford us a black or white choice life is about playing in the gray area so I would give an example as a employee I want very high wages and I want good benefits But as a consumer, if I want affordable goods and services, then I need to be able to balance that and say, you know what, in order for me to be successful in this life, in this location, in this geography as a consumer with a pocketbook expense, as well as some servings for retirement, I need to be willing to be negotiating with my salary because I can't ask for everything on my compensation. And then ask somebody else to take a pay cut and give me cheap or free goods and services, right? So once I start understanding how that seesaw, I almost think all these little games we play as children is to teach us something larger, right? If we actually thought about why did we learn to play the seesaw, it's a balancing act. If one person goes up, another person has to go down. If we're both going to have a little fun, we have to take turns, right? Yeah. And... How do we take all of these lessons and then impact people in a way that it is meaningful to them? And then as long as I can make them a part of the journey and they have something to look forward to and they get something from it, there is no reason people don't engage. So, which is why I always talk about win-win partnerships. A lot of times uh, we tend to talk about winners and losers, One of the things I don't like about professional sports is that everybody remembers the winner, nobody remembers the loser. But is the loser really a loser? Isn't sports about the sportsmanship and the act of engaging in that sport and learning and growing and building that camaraderie? And the minute there is money associated, it becomes winners and losers, right? So I tend to take my lessons from life and what makes me feel good as a person I used to be a child. I used to be a worker. I'm now in a better position as a leader, right? But I get the privilege of the leader because other people are willing to follow me. It's not a title I can give myself. I have to earn the privilege of being a leader. I actually carry this card in my pocket which says, um, I actually have my students give this to me every semester. I hereby grant you the rights and responsibilities of being my leader. This is a privilege and may be revoked at any time. It is truly a privilege, and I have to earn it through every action, every day, in every way. And the day I let people down is the day I no longer deserve to be one and somebody else will step in. But my goal rather is grooming the next generation of leaders so that I don't stay as a leader in a particular role too long. Because my ideas and my vision are limited to me. Other people need to come in. They need to bring their ideas, their vision. They need to make it their own. And as long as I'm willing to give everybody else an opportunity, people are willing to come on board. Because everybody benefits. There is nobody losing in this, right? Who wants to be a part of something they're going to lose? But if I create a win-win environment, people will come. And I am so honored that so many people have followed and now they're taking on leadership positions they are building the pieces of the organization based on the vision and we're already up and running in less than one month and i couldn't be prouder of the team that has coalesced around me and they get a ton of the credit does that answer your question like a true
3: leader you are a true leader You know, I I personally witnessed the board meeting that you had with the chapter executive committee. I Mm -hmm. saw, listened to the enthusiasm and the people who were willing to volunteer. As you asked for people to participate in the various activities, people just were standing in line (laughs) to to be willing to volunteer to do things. And I think it's because you inspire people. Uh, You give a message that people want to hear. You make them feel like they are part of it. They are part of the mission that you have painted for them. You know, you've, you've seen many organizations talk about a mission statement and a vision statement. Mm-hmm. But the vision statement that you have, people can identify with. They want to be a part of it. They listen to what you say and they want to be a part of this experiment. And I, I'm very proud to be associated with you and what you're doing.
2: Oh, you, you, are, know, well, I, you were a mission critical part of getting this approved, Bobby. Just today I had I had a call with Doug, and he said how impressed he was that you were able to present my vision and mission at the NEC because I couldn't go for the NEC. I'm not part of the NEC, right? So you were the one who understood my vision, our mission, and then took it and presented it in a way that it made sense to the NEC. So a lot of people had a hand in making this happen, right?
3: And yeah, but you were the one as- who inspired
2: us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. But ultimately, it comes down to if we gather the people with the right approach, with the right psychological framework, and make it a win-win proposition, and nobody s- loses anything, chances are 99% of the time things happen. Because everybody wants to be a part of something special. It is inherently in our human psyche to want to be a part of something special. And I'm amazed at how many people who don't take advantage of it for the right reason, right? If, if we can do this as a small group of people in the Chicagoland area, and we are going to take our organizational call to action, and we are going to engage other people, and we are going to grow this organization not for any ego purpose, but for the purpose of making this community and the government accountability work for us. Ultimately, whether we come from the private sector, public sector or university, we're all citizens of our local community. We're all paying taxes. We are part of this community that we want for it to work for us, right? If the system doesn't work for us, then we all fail. We're all in this together. And the more people understand that and the more people realize that only in a democracy we can have this voice, only in a place like this with free speech, we can get our message out and hold people accountable and drive accountability. And it is we who go to work to the government sector and the private sector and the universities to make things happen, right? The institutions are just buildings and tax ID numbers. It is people who go there and work and make things happen. So if we bring the people and create a mindset that we are partners and thus, and we are two sides of the same coin, private and public sector, then chances are that we can make our community work for us. And to me, that is that is the reward. The reward is something that we all share. And with that happy thought, of the potential reward that awaits us as we build this chapter and get it off the ground. We're going to go for our final break and we will come back for our last segment, Bobby.
0: Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook that's kashenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, Please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
1: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
0: listening to unleash your inner goldilocks how to get it just right to reach dr. Cass Henry or her guest today please call 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to dr. Cass Henry at hotmail.com now back to this week's program
2: Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. We are entering our final segment of Busting Myths and Building Bridges, one community at a time. We're having this conversation in the context of the AGA Greater Chicago chapter that just is getting off the ground as we make a call to action to bring our community and members of the private sector, public sector, and university professionals to engage in this partnered endeavor. Bobby, thank you so much for engaging in this conversation with me. Thank
3: you. Thank you very much.
2: So as we bring our final segment in, I want to have a quick conversation with you on What keeps you engaged with the AGA, and what message would you have for members of our community to get engaged with this greater Chicago chapter so that we can truly realize the change we envision for our community?
3: Well, I think it's Cass. My when I started um, with the uh, AGA, it was then called the uh, the government, uh, federal government, uh, federal government accountants association, and then it was Mm a uh, subsequent change to uh, Association of Government Accountants, and then we started in 1950. But it, the, mm-hmm. the mission then was to to learn from one another, to uh, advance the, uh, the the accountability, the profession, and to um, network. Have an opportunity to network. Mm-hmm. Well, when I joined AGA, that's that's what I wanted to be a part of. You, when you talked a, a while ago about uh, wanting to be a part of something bigger than yourself, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to be. When mm-hmm. graduate school, I was uh, vice president. Of our accounting club, and which is, doesn't sound like much, but um, for graduate students, uh, undergraduate students, that was a, as it was a big deal. I was also, oh, it's uh, huge! Yes,
2: uh-huh. I'm sorry. It was huge for a student. Yes.
3: Now, it was it was a wonderful uh-huh. experience, and from that, I learned that what I wanted to be a part of something bigger than what I was, uh, mm-hmm. bigger than myself, and AGA offered me that opportunity. I used to travel 65 miles to go to a meeting because I wow. wanted to be a part of this organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was in. I mean, today, I'm even more inspired. If it's impossible, I'm even more inspired because I see people like yourself uh, that are totally dedicated to serving the public, uh, that you see a vision for how AGA can play um, an important Critical role in the public-private uh, university uh, uh, environment, uh, playing a role to uh, to meet the challenges of the greater Chicago area. When I I stayed, I was a national president in two thousand four, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. I have been engaged with AGA since two thousand or nineteen seventy four. Uh, that tells you I'm a little bit uh, over the, over, the, <laughs> a little <laughs> old. <laughs> I've been around. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to, um, uh, I have enjoyed every minute of it because uh, this this organization is, is uh, serving the needs of the profession, serving the needs of accountability professionals uh, across the great nation, and in fact, across the world. Well, what I visualize what you're doing. Is something much, even much greater than what I've ever visualized the AGA could do. You have expanded the scope. When I talk about your scope, your vision, and I share that with, the, for example, the Southeastern Florida chapter, people get excited. Uh, they, it's like you opened up their eyes. And I mm-hmm. think you opened my eyes up 14, 18 months ago. I became a convert then. Uh, because I could just listen to you, and I wanted to be a part of this experiment, this journey that you're going to take us. I see that you're going to have an opportunity to to reach out to the greater Chicago. How many people are we talking about? 3.9 million? It's an incredible number. You know, there's Mm -hmm. 88,000 government entities in the United States. Uh, I don't know how many government entities that are in this. Scope, But I see that there's accountability professionals that are going to be so impacted because of you. And in turn, this chapter is going to utilize these, these resources to make an impact in our community. We're going to have a social change in our community, and it's going to be because they're following uh, the vision that we, we have laid out before us. In fact, that's the question, uh, one question I'd like to ask you to Mm -hmm. share with uh, those on the radio. What is your vision for this Chicago chapter?
2: My vision for the Chicago chapter is that we all, through this endeavor, whether we are directly members or we partner with the AGA as uh, sister organizations, we bring about awareness and engagement across the community And we make accountability in every sense of the word front and center, and thereby build the kind of a uh, public-private partnership where they hold each other accountable. And then the universities are educating and delivering students with not just education, but work skills, Because I'll be the first to say we do not teach in the university system the way people need to use in the workplace. Accounting, we're still teaching with T-accounts. We do not have T-ledger accounts. We haven't had it in the 25 years I've been in the workplace. We're not teaching technology-leveraged accounting, coding, um, all of the um, modern-day ways of handling accounting. Accountants modern day need to be able to troubleshoot with technology. They need to understand how every accounting record is set up, how an asset is set up, how a liability is set up. None of that we are teaching in the school system. We're teaching them still like it was 35 years ago. So this particular entity is going to allow us as an organization to go into universities, give students internships, bring them into the government agencies, and Have them see how the government works. People are not even going to school thinking they're going to get jobs in the government. 60-70% of the government accounting finance jobs are going unfilled. Government has other roles. In this chapter, we have people with technology backgrounds, people with academic backgrounds, people with various private sector backgrounds, people from the government who are heads of agencies who are driving budgetary decisions and putting accountability front and center, who are not accountants and auditors. Accountants touch the numbers and close the books 30 days after everything has happened. Auditors come after that. If we're truly going to talk about accountability, it needs to start up front with the people who are making the decision, people who have the budgetary approval authorities, right? So that's why we're engaging heads of departments, heads of functional units who are not traditionally accounting finance people and bring everybody to the table so that we look at accountability as a throughput process. My Six Sigma training tells me you have to look at the voice of the customer and look at every process through the lens of that voice of the customer. In a democracy with fiscal decisions, the customer is the citizen. So as citizens, what is our voice? What are we asking for? Through that lens, how do we build the kind of processes and accountability that is going to deliver to the citizens? Because we're all citizens, regardless of where we work, right? As long as we're in this community, we're citizens. And how do we make accountability work for us? And how do we, in that process, build the kind of relationship where we're not looking at each other as the enemy, but we're looking at each other as strategic partners because nobody i don't care if it's the government sector or the private sector nobody is going to take this journey alone because what one does definitely directly impacts the other and i have spent most of my life in the private sector very few years in the government sector but i have taught in the government sector longer than i have in the private sector so ultimately bringing all of this together is what is important and As I bring this show to an end, Bobby, I really have to share with our audience our mission. Our Greater Chicago Chapter's mission is transforming government accountability through collaborative leadership and innovation to build a sustained community of public-private university partnership for our shared prosperity. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at drcashenry at hotmail.com, and you can find our organization's information on our Facebook page, and you can find us at AGAGC. That is A-G-A, Greater Chicago Initials, A-G-A-G-C. Please keep sending us your questions, and keep in mind, if you light a lamp for someone else, it will also brighten your path. That is what's fueling us. Go ahead and light the lamp, shape somebody else's path, and as you go through life, remember, Every human interaction is an opportunity for transformation. So let's go out there, transform lives, starting with your own, and don't forget to look up the AGA Greater Chicago chapter. Thank you very much. And Bobby, thank you so very much for being on the show.
3: Thank you very much. It's been a wonderful opportunity.
2: My pleasure.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.